Ready or not, the world is going digital. Between the automation of TMF health checks and inspections going remote, some changes are just here to stay. Today on the State of TMF, our expert panel, including special guest Jamie Toth from Beijing, will reveal some of their predictions for what the future of ETMF technology holds. They'll discuss all the tools needed to prepare you for inspection and how you can leverage technology to ensure positive inspection outcomes. At the end of the day, no matter what technology you have or don't have, the most important thing is to make sure that your team is aligned with your TMF vision and your story is consistent and complete. The State of TMF is officially in session. Let's get into it. Welcome, everybody, or uh, I think it's our ninth or tenth even uh, State of TMF uh, live podcast. We're coming to you today live from our headquarters in Montreal. This is a very special episode, and we've got two uh, amazing uh, panelists with us today. So Jamie Toast from Beijing. And our barrier, not Sarah, but Ballerini, who's uh, over with us from Italy uh, for a few weeks. And so we're, we're having a great time actually spending some, uh, some FaceTime with Donatella as well. Uh, and today we are going to be talking about everything related to tools and technology for inspections and inspection maintenance, which I think is a pretty big topic. Um, yeah that we probably feel quite strongly about. I know I do. Pretty sure that these guys do too, because obviously TMF is all about being ready for an inspection, right? It's the basis of inspections. It's super important that we are inspection ready um, and that we have the right tools to be able to manage that process uh, properly. So I want to, you know, our our session today is going to be very sort of each formal, as it usually is, interactive, and it's going to, kind of um, goes through, I think, you know, the, the stages of inspection readiness and going through inspection. So we'll, we'll sort of kick things off by talking about how we, we prepare for an inspection. So you get that, that notification, hey guys, we're coming in uh, in two days, time, two days, maybe two weeks time, three weeks time. You know, we're, we're interested in these studies, you know, these sites, uh, and it's kind of action section. So all right, we need to get ready for this inspection. Obviously, I think that there are a certain number of things that we all each day, very common things that um, typically see in the all pharmaceutical companies when they're notified of an inspection, uh, and specifically within the TNF team. And the first thing that we need to do is start to work out, okay, well, what do we need to look at? What do we need to prepare in to make sure that we're ready for this inspection and that we understand, well, do we have everything? Do we have issues? If we do, then we need to document them. So I want to talk a little bit about that because I know that um, it's a big job, especially if you've got a you know, study that's been going on for several years. It's quite complicated. You've got a lot of sites, a lot of documentation. Maybe it's quite decentralized, a lot of organizations, and you've got a lot of artifacts. How do you how do you sort of go through that and make sure that everything is instantly? Um, and I think today, uh, what you guys have done in the, in the past is obviously doing more of the sort of manual verification. Right? So you're doing all the good cost checks and making sure that everything's been seen. And, and it takes a long time, right? It's a big time, and I was saying because uh, we always say that GMF is the story that I don't think I try it. And so all this document, it's not just a matter of checking each single document, you know, that all principle, the, the quotation that is uh, better to say it's quite easy. It takes time, but, you know, we've got standards, so we check them. Uh, 
the most challenging part uh, is really to make the links between the documentation and the data inside the documentation. So, you know, for example, we've got uh, a monitoring report, but then you have to check uh, this is with your monitoring plan or it's just a monitoring letter, follow-up letter. So all these cross-checks uh, mm. that tell the story of the trial right. takes really a lot. But when you are prepared for the, the inspection, uh, this is part of this preparation steps. So, right. so hopefully, I think that nowadays it's one of the biggest challenges because uh, it's manual effort, uh, which is time-consuming and resource-consuming. Oh, I, I agree. Um, and uh, doing the check to the CTMS, like you said, for the different visits and making sure that those uh, visit reports are filed in the TNF, um, just you know, a, as a starting point. And then there's so many other things. So, I mean, I think I think one of the things that we could think about in the future is, well, how can we maybe uh, also make that more yeah. than more? So I think that um, it's like an 80, 20 rule there. I think probably like 80% of the checks that we do are quite straightforward and fairly easy to do. It's just there's a large volume. And so the problem is we just don't have the resources or time uh, to do those checks. And then there's the 20% that are really probably more complex and specific and require probably quite a lot of knowledge about the process that um, the architecture documents it uh, to be able to perform those checks. So I think we can look towards data management, right? Because I think data management, and if you look at it, it's, it's really focused on trying to make sure that the data that we had is clean, that it represents patient safety, uh, it, it represents yeah, the patient charts. It makes sense so that we can then sort of have confidence in the analysis that's done to demonstrate that it works. Yeah. Yeah. Drug works, it's safe. Have you guys ever thought about, um, you know, sort of the, the concept of edit checks and how how we can apply that to TNF? Yeah, that. I mean, to get us out of an Excel file, oh, where we're actually doing it manually, pulling things in, doing manual checks, maybe using workflow in the system to confirm things, but an edit check library or something like that would be great just to sit on top of everything um, so that we don't have to do so much manual work. Right. And I think, I, I, what about, yeah, because obviously there could be a lot of types of checks. Mm-hmm. And for one organization to define all of that, it's actually taking quite a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so how do we... How, and how, studies. How, right. <laughs> so like, how do we, how can we sort of come up with something maybe that we could choose across, across the industry? Do you have a for <laughs> but do you think that there's, a, there's an opportunity here to maybe come up with standards for edit checks, something that we can, you know, Yeah. Yeah. So chunk it out maybe by a process area. Right. And like expertise and, you know, group. Yeah. Because obviously that's different from yeah. the trial level. And so. Yeah. And then I think if you, I mean, if you had, if you were able to do better standard libraries of edit checks that we can systematically apply as people are uploading documents into the TMF already, because I think one of the issues that we had when we do these periodic reviews or we're, you know, we're doing a review in preparation for an inspection is we just, we, we discover issues, but you know, people have moved on there, there or yeah, things have changed or something that happened two years ago. No one can remember. So this, to start, uh, a best practice could be, start your storyboard from the beginning. So the protocol right. is approved, TMF plan is created. The first entry in your storyboard could be the protocol 
approval date, the ver- version number one is the first entry yeah. on your storyboard. And then as the TMS story unfolds, the storyboard gets updated so right. that when people leave, roll off, and what have you, from either sponsor company or CRO, third party, you get capturing that knowledge as, as it's evolved two years later and nobody who's on the trial is aware. Of what yeah, happened. so storyboarding, and that's yeah. a really big thing, right? When we're trying to get rid of the section. That's a lot of things you do, right? You build storyboards. Yeah. 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 It helps. And yeah. I mean, what, why did you build storyboards? I think that, as I said, um, sometimes storyboarding is not used and it should be because sometimes the skills were very exceptional occasion that have particular situation or, you know, such as it's dating or the change of a serial, maybe COVID, so something that uh, was really planned. So that we have better clarification of the so the issue. But as she said, I think that the and nearly storyboarding or an ongoing storyboarding can really, you know, bring benefits to your story. Right. Uh, because it's up to even for a handover between starting teams, uh, band bars, uh, or maybe, you know, even to, if a trial lasts a lot, so well, lots of things happen, and you can easily understand all the stories since the beginning right. uh, in a quick way, you know. So I think that the, it's a very best practice that should be implemented since the beginning uh, without right. waiting for, you know, the wrong occasion to uh, try to fix the game right. uh, and have a solution for that. Okay. So I think that the, in the checklist of inspection preparation, uh, storyboarding is absolutely a bullet point. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And, and uh, I think to your point, uh, to your point, Jamie, if we can develop a uh, mechanism for creating storyboards electronically. Oh, in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's all in the system. So why not? So if we could create some kind of, you know, automatically generated electronic storyboard that integrates all of the events that are occurring in the study, obviously this requires instead of some kind of process model so we know what events are occurring. And then, uh, you know, attach things like, you know, well, there was this deviation that, you know, we had to produce this note to file or, you know, there was, uh, you know, this uh, artifact that we, well, we couldn't chocolate because there was this issue. Yeah, so we've got the full picture and yeah. we've got the narrative there and we can then use that um, to, you know, to form our, our functional reviews. You know, we can go through the storyboard with them and say, okay, well, this is what we're seeing. Is, does, this, does this correspond to reality? Are we missing something? Yeah. So it provides us with a basis to answer questions and to understand what happens. And also, so I think to sort of train people uh, to make sure that they're, uh, on the they're, page. they're on the same page. Obviously, we have storyboards to describe things that have happened in the study, but there are there other types of storyboards that we'll use in the, in the study as well? I think that, for example, uh, sometimes the, the meaning of storyboard can be easily assuming not to fire. Because sometimes you use no to fight to explain right. something that, you know, uh, is an exception or doesn't make sense from a chronological point of view or from a logical point of view. Yes. So I think that uh, even the distinction between storyboarding and not fight, uh, where to use this narrative, uh, why the purpose uh, of these two tools uh, must be very clear in the yeah. company yeah. Uh, to avoid, you know, misuse uh, one or the other one at the end. Uh, you need to have uh, this complete story and this uh, uh, consistent message for this sector because I think that uh, one of the other uh, benefits of storyboarding uh, is really 
web, everyone align the message because, you know, if something happened, you can add your perspective. I can have a vision of the, of the story and I can tell something different for you. I saw this fact where you say, mm, these guys are realizing something because they're telling yeah. different story about what happened. Uh, so even every, every, everyone align on what to say is very important. Yeah. And that is something uh, that storyboard it can do. So I think if you, if you have a combination of, you know, your life, well, not life, but your sort of the historical storyboard for the study that you can kind of, you can drill into and look at certain aspects. So look at the storyboards for a particular site or look at the storyboards for a particular period of time at the, at the study level. Yeah. So you have all these different levels and dimensions that we can use to drill in and find information very quickly. It's a very powerful tool in this own right. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think that it's also uh, a compliance with what, you know, regulation asks. Because they ask it for more transparency. They're asking for more traceability. Yeah. And so important is traceability. Yeah. So yeah. Speaking of traceability, yeah. um, one other aspect that you can pull into that story war because you're system potentially has it anyway is um who has access to the to the tmf yeah throughout the life of the trial because you have that information and you can bring that in as well because they want to know they usually want to see that mm-hmm. who has access to the trial to your point on traceability and data integrity some of the things they're asking now is the audit trail or jail as well so I can see you know, the, the, the first law amendment was reduced, reviewed. Yeah. And this, this group of people yeah. on this stage is that have been by this, this yeah. individual was distributed. So you can you know, add that full trace of currency by integrating your order trail and activity into the, uh, into the storyboard, but also integrating information about who had access to what. Yeah, like, right. In yeah. control to yeah. access to control. I think there's a lot of different things. Even, you know, integration with external systems like the quality system okay. yeah, may have all of the personal deviations that are relevant mm-hmm. to that storyboard as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot that you could build into them. Yeah, and the CTFS could help drive, brings in all of the milestones. Exactly. So you wouldn't have to like logging in and checking it yourself. You yeah, just burn it's it just there. there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, the storyboard, it kind of becomes the timeline of the study, right? And, that, and it's all encompassing. Yeah. I think that is a super powerful tool um, that hopefully one day we'll have. You never know. <laughs> the idea is there. We've got the we've got the idea, and I think that that is it's a really it's a really useful. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to touch a little bit on on, on reporting because I think mm-hmm. also you know reporting is super important. I like to understand what's going on to be able to plan what we need to do. Um, so so. Jamie, if you could sort of describe what would be your ideal? I would think uh, if I could log in to a system and be able to select uh, a country and then see, you know, all the sites listed and then pick key sites that I want to dive deeper into and then have the reporting or, you know, the software do a sampling, if you will, like on a risk-based approach to show me you know, all the um, documents and maybe then I'll open the documents and take a look at them. Um, but obviously um, being able to have that sampling on a risk-based approach mm-hmm. in a system, in a UI, uh, user interface, something like that would be so much easier because we yeah. can do a lot of what I just described very manually. So if um, a system, a software, a UI, uh, a report could help with the sample, yeah. I think that would be. Because the sampling yeah, is I mean, done. 
I think yeah. a lot of people in our industry today struggle with yeah. because yeah. they're dealing with a large volume of data. And I think we might, you know, so so maybe there's manual effort that's done. You know, you generate the report, dump it into our favorite tool, Excel, and then maybe right. we brought a macro on right. that to do sampling. But um, if, Bro, that's fancy. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, right? Um, but if it was automated. And I think even like having the metrics there as well, like, yeah. you know, just being able yeah. to look at, you know, a high level, that sort of that, you know, that, that, that overall, like how to score to give us an indication where, right. where are we at? Yeah. And then yeah. to sort of be able to drill down and see that by country and then by sign, yeah, by individual, you know, where have you got issues? Yeah. I think that, as you said, you know, with the risk-based approach combined, those two things yeah. kind of gives us a really good uh, feel. It's, it's such a big thing, such a, a large volume of information. It must be overwhelming sometimes to sort of work out where do I start with this? I like your your idea around the sort of the rolling storyboard that begins at the beginning of the trial. Because I think it can also, you could introduce metrics into that too. And it can drive what are you reviewing over time. So you're not doing this big review two weeks before the inspection. Oh, right. You're doing it all the time. So you know by the time you get that inspection call, you're ready. Yeah, yeah. You're already there. Yeah. Because you built it into your process. Yeah. I think for, for a lot of people, quantified design is a little bit elusive. They're not quite sure mm-hmm. what it means. So I think we need to be clear about what it means as well as an industry. But I definitely feel taking a proactive approach versus a re- re- you know, reactive approach definitely makes sense. Yeah. And it's all about, it's about tools, but it's also about mindset. Yeah. And it's about people. Yeah. And so I think. Um, people uh, process and technology. There we go. So I want to, I want to sort of, you know, obviously there's, there's, you know, preparing the, 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 the inspection, there's, you know, getting everybody trained, everybody's on the same page, having an environment where we have access to everything. So, you know, our storyboards, we have access to our processes. We know what processes we're using in the study, what about, uh, how do we sort of make sure that we know what systems are going to be, you know, are being certainly generated and then how do we, uh, how do we manage access to all of them? Well, what would be the best way to manage access to all of them? I think that the first question is quite easy in the sense that the, uh, in terms of the list of system, uh, uh, it's a requirement, even from ICGSP, to have a list of systems that you're using that you cannot just using it So I think that, you know, with the, a robust index uh, where you list, uh, okay, for these artifact disease, the source uh, location, uh, so that it's not PMF, it's CPMS or QMS, uh, you know, yeah. then can be, it's a network, but it can be done. What is very challenging, in my opinion, is your second question. So, are we going to give access to the inspector? Right. Yes. Which way and how was the process? So that can be very challenging because, you know, sometimes you want to show everything, sometimes not. So, yeah. And some of those other systems are not built the same. They may not be built study specific, right? So they're right. compound right. molecule level. Yeah. So getting yeah. it down to what they're looking for may not be there without yeah. other information has to be provided. So this is where I think that there's, you know, in the industry, we're talking a lot about interoperability and where they hear additional data flow and all of that good stuff. Um, 
we still have a hard time connecting systems together, mm-hmm. especially in, in the operational side yeah. of accounts, you yeah. know, because standards, they're coming, they're evolving, but they're not there yet. But I do feel that um, in the future, what would be interesting is to have one central place where we can access all TNF relevant information uh, and provide a, an easy conduit to be able to retrieve that information. Um, so this is where I think we almost need to have something that's sitting on top of all of these different systems and that's able to communicate with each of them and know where the information is and then leverage data standards and APIs, things like that, to be able to pull that information centrally to this one place. And it's not just about being able to navigate through the TNF and understand the story based on information that's contained within each of, each of these systems, but it's also about completeness, for example. Yeah. How do you evaluate completeness of the TMF when the information is so yeah. spread out? Yeah. And I think that if we were able to have sort of more of a centralized place where it's, it's more of an analytics layer, right, right? that can, can read all of these other systems to say, okay, what do you have? Mm-hmm. And then, and then register the fact that they have these things and then centralize that in one place and present it in a holistic way. It's going to be a lot easier. Yeah. I think we're a ways off that, yeah. But definitely, I think that's the, the direction. And I think that's also the promise of, you know, ICH, M11 and DDF and all of that stuff. It's like, you know, it's kind of this flow of information uh, across systems for a clinical trial. And the TMF is going to be the ultimate beneficiary. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it all kind of needs to end up in yeah. GMS somehow. Yeah. You know? yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the actual conduct. We've got the traditional on-site inspections where we have like our back room. Yeah. Events yeah. kind of fronting. They war. Organizing stuff, yeah. war room. And uh, then you've got the room where the inspectors are. And we stop got, calling it. <laughs> yeah, we don't oh. call it. We're not at war with it. Yeah. It's a constructive relationship. <laughs> and then we've got QA that's kind of, you know, the bus level. Between between you know, the, the the study teams and TMO management group and the inspectors, when when it comes to you know remote inspections, it's kind of different because they're not they're not sitting in the remote store, um, and all of a sudden we need to use technology to communicate with them. We're providing direct access uh, to our, to the TMN, well, to, to the Europeans at least. So if we think about sort of that scenario, what tools do we need? Is it Excel? I mean, I think that, uh, for example, one thing that we usually use is that we don't follow our job is teams. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I realize that sometimes I write more in e rather than emails. So I use maybe emails, good you know, to write a official message or I see them, but to chat with a colleague uh, yeah. to have a uh, free conversation and quick conversation in those teams. Now, if you imagine, you know, the inspection, uh, you will have uh, the QA usually is leading the inspection. Uh, and so probably he's managing like a sort of official team and chat with the inspector, giving a, you know, a direct answer, proper feedback, immediate feedback to the question. And then it could be a back office back teams that you use between your colleague, between QA and the study team to understand yeah. if there is an issue, or how can we solve the issue, what is the document, how to answer the question, you know, to have a, this kind of facilitation between the internal team. Right. Uh, so I think that the, 
we should improve and even give our process to the use of these tools because now they are part of our daily job. Yeah. And so you have multiple MS teams, windows up, right? Or virtual. Yeah. And yeah, it's that. Yeah. And I think, I think you need to, I mean, we can also, be, I mean, maybe you don't use teams as is. Maybe you're able to create that an inspection specific yes, yeah. configuration or even, you know, develop other tools, which is yeah. Teams, yeah. which will also allow you to, you know, for example, QA is talking to the inspector, the inspector is asking a specific question or is requesting specific information. QA can then take that automatically log it as a, as a request because you want to keep it at low yes. everything is possible and then pass that through again via this sort of interacting platform to whoever needs to to respond to that they can then receive the answer review it all of that gets logged together and it's passed back to the inspector and it's it's kind of this very fluid mm-hmm. uh, but yeah controlled uh, sort of mechanism uh, which doesn't involve any email at all no yeah is that email i mean on yeah. the, we need to stop using it yeah. and um you know make sure in a remote environment well you don't have that many options well, well, and also time, right? It, it has to be done in time. Time, yes. So. Which brings, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think I know where you're coming. The specs is asking questions, and you've got your your your, your study team you know, frantically mm. running around at the door because they're well prepared. <laughs> They've been preparing in advance, but maybe they're expecting ready. And storyboards, they're internal tools to allow them to tell the story. You know, very quickly and, and more importantly, to tell a consistent yeah. Yeah, no, no. story if yeah. they're asked by an inspector. If you've got this sort of this big, this big uh, rolling storyboard, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, would you agree that we need to kind of chop it up a bit? You know, what would be the benefits of being able to drill into that storyboard uh, during an inspection? And what's going to give you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got big detail on the specific area, you know, because right. as you said, if I think it was a TMF storyboarding, I imagine something very difficult. TMF has a big story. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of one site, one specific principal investigator, uh, you know, something, one protocol deviation, something, something occurred. So it's there's something very specific. So I, if I can focus, you know, and just on that particular, yes, it would be super, it would yeah. be very beneficial and more efficient for the actual preparation right. and even conduct. And yeah. And what, especially if there is um, zero change, something like that. So you'd more right. that in like a timeline and then like maybe focus just on that zero change and, you know, go to what was that all about? And when, you know, an overview yeah. of that. Yeah. In the, so having your notes to follow your, your memos or describe yeah. change. Yeah. of the CRO and then, you know, yeah. what got put in place after. Yeah. And then I think, um, you know, if you're, if you're applying a risk-based approach, then you can also apply that to your storyboard. Yeah. So you can, you, so you can see areas where you know that there's, there's, you know, maybe it's high risk. You want to like zone into that, to that, that part of the storyboard yeah. and have a look there, make sure you've got that change in CRO, yeah. kind of risky. Do we have adequate documentation? What kind of due diligence do we do to make sure that we've got everything? Yeah. And that's the our own. Were there issues that were not closed out? And you know, what are you doing yeah. about that? It means that you're, you know, you're going to come across as very open expected because you're going to have access to information. So you're not having to search for it. And you know, being able to associate artifacts and storyboards, you know, we can already cluster 
artifacts around events that are showing up in the storyboard. And this is through the use of some kind of yeah, model where we identify technical processes and events that are happening in the study. Then it means that all of your documentation is all it's already there. You don't have to go into three or four different places to try and find it or call the CRO because they may have it. <laughs> it's there. Yeah. It's there. And because you could you've taken this proactive risk-based approach where every every week or every month you're looking yeah. at these particular areas because they're playing most high risk and you need to review them in case they are, there is an inspection, you're, you're ready. And your teams, you know, they, they've got everything they need. And it's not just the, the timeline, but they've also got access to all of this, the processes and SOPs that are being used. That's that we have all the information about the other systems. We've already got access to the information in the other systems. So all of a sudden, you're really well prepared mm-hmm. yeah. for remote inspections. And I think that these tools could also maybe be used if things not science. You think about the chat. Thanks. For yeah. example, yeah. do you think that they were they to go for that? Or do you think they would would select just like to chat instead of? Well, why not? I think that uh, the most feedback they get the answer, you know, the feedback, the better it right. is. So I think that uh, even to have uh, the trustability of what they ask uh, and what was the answer, uh, uh, they will benefit from it. Uh, yeah. So the only thing that maybe I can see, obviously, is that uh, they want to process for everything. So obviously, if you're starting to use uh, officially something, a tool like Teams uh, or whatever can be called, uh, obviously, you need a processing place uh, you know, to use it because probably there would be uh, the official uh, or, you know, chat uh, with inspection and then something in the back. So how to upload documentation if that is uh, the proper right. channel or maybe they prefer uh, another email, uh, you know. So the rules must be defined. Yeah, uh, but absolutely, I think that uh, now that we are doing more remote inspection, and uh, probably even if COVID uh, is there, but you know, it's not there anymore. Yeah, uh, I think that inspection uh, inspector are preferring remote inspection because yeah. uh, you know you don't have to take the fly. Well, they can do a lot more. Uh, they yeah. can do more. Yeah. They can change more. Yeah, they can change more. That is the point. So we need to improve. But now okay. this remote inspection yeah. are managing and conduct. Yeah. So let's do the technology. And you know, the other thing I like about it is you've, got, you've kind of got a transcript right there. Yeah, they already got the goals here. Yeah. With all of the attachments, everything yeah. wants. And yeah, we can we can use technology to also filter that, dice, slice it. So that when we, have, we eventually get an inspection report and there are observations, but we can understand yeah. what's the dialogue here. Yeah. So let's, uh, I know that sort of time is going on and there's a few other areas I want to talk about. Um, so we've gone through the inspection, super well prepared because we've been doing this you know, proactive, you know, storyboard preparation and we've got our edit checks that have been running. So our data is really clean. We're, we're looking really good. Clinical trials, the clinical trials, we've still got a few observations. So in my in my experience, those observations they come in and they come to QA, QA then registers them in quite often you call it some management system. Yeah, right. Then we have to kind of manage all of that, just follow up, all of that stuff. And what do you th- what do you think about um, instead of sort of registering them in QA system, if we were to have a you know, if we had like a, a tool which allowed us to manage the uh, not only you know, the preparation and conduct of the uh, inspection, but also to, to be able to register 
what was the what was the uh, the observations? And then what was the response mm. and the corrective actions? And the reason why I think I'm asking that is because it, it could be interesting maybe to trend on that information so we can better understand. It will be a dream house today because um, I think that uh, inspection, in my opinion, uh, should be seen in a positive way. I mean, I know that everyone is afraid of inspection. Yeah. I know, but if you of course if you're doing your you know, you see TNFTC, you're following your SOP, you're following the regulation. Uh, I think that you are inspection already, but so you have to see the inspection as a, a chance to improve your right. process. Right. But you can't improve if you don't know, you know, the yeah. data about what went wrong, yeah. why went wrong. Uh, so as you said, there was some threat on inspection. Yeah. And now it, you can do that, but it's very challenging because as you said, uh, this information are lead by QA, a different system, uh, so they are spread uh, in a short point. I don't know. So yeah. uh, to have everything in one portal in one area yeah. can be beneficial to have uh, the last order. It can also fit into like you know, risk evaluation. Yes. Using risk, sort of algorithm. Great. Taking that into account. It's interesting. I do think that there are, you know, there are definitely QA groups out there that do trend. You know, they do a lot of trend there. So I think it's, yeah, at a minimum, it's really important to have a very good close relationship with those QA groups uh, yeah. and identify those trends with it um, because it's in everyone's interest. And I think if we can get better, in, at least better traction uh, between, you know, the, the observations and then what's actually happening during the inspection, what's the inspector looking out, you know, why are we getting those kinds of observations? Yeah. Like, do we have an achievement process or training or, you know, just being able to do that training is super important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it definitely is the awesomeness does happen, right? <laughs> it just happened it's right here. Oh, no, it's all <laughs> we had today. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that uh, I think a lot of the things we we've spoken about, and all the principles actually do exist out yeah. in other areas, especially in this fund. Yeah, um, I think that because of the direction we're going in this industry, and because we're going towards much more standardization. All of a sudden, it's going to become a lot easier to leverage some of these techniques for TMO. Yeah. So that we can automate a lot of the, the manual heavy lifting that we had to do to then. And even, you know, using AI a lot more yeah. to, to start to look into, you know, our documentation, uh, trying to sort of pull out information and then, you know, verifying that information. It's other information we have on the team that stuff that we're having to be a bit today and that requires a lot of expertise. Over time, we can build, we can, you know, we can build that, that expertise into our AI, train our AI, and also identify those issues. And as an industry, I think we can also build uh, libraries of knowledge common across the industry because we have this magic thing called the reference model that's providing us with this standardization and so we should be able to build standard better chips as well. We should be able to build standard process models. We should be able to build standard storyboards. Yeah, you know, why not? Yeah. And then, you know, leverage those things to, to be proactive uh, and, and to always be intersectional. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much, guys, for all your insights. That was a really interesting session. It's definitely given me a lot of ideas, <laughs> and, uh, which I'm never really sure of anyway, but yeah. <laughs> really appreciate your input uh, after sharing uh, your knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the last episode in our inspection readiness series of the State of TMF. We'll be taking a short break and coming back to you in October for our next season. If you liked today's episode, hit the subscribe button, view the full episode with video on YouTube, and follow us on LinkedIn for more great content coming from Montreal soon. See you next time.